When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A good old time today. We've been having a good old time on this program. A lot of football, as you would expect, on a football Monday. Giants win, do their thing. Going around the NFL with some of them crazy, crazy finishes that we had to the Week 10 slate. Jets, of course, back at it from the bye. They will begin preparation in earnest for a rematch and another duel with the New England Patriots in Foxborough coming up on Sunday afternoon. Good to have them back in the fold. And, of course, our coverage will begin at 11 a.m. Selfish plug there on Sunday with Buttle and myself on the pregame show. And, of course, Bob and Marty have the call coming up at 1 o'clock. We'll um, take a step away from the football for a second here. Talk a little NBA. And, you know, it was a bye week for the Jets yesterday, but wasn't entirely for me. I mean, I'm a busy guy, thankfully, you know, and a lot of things to do. And yesterday, had to work the Nick game. Bing you know, matinee, early start, you know, a two-for-one day at MSG because the Rangers were in action last night. But the Knicks were playing Oklahoma City, and you thought, okay, well, you know, it's a big game. You know it was a big game. Friday was a big game. On the heels of that disaster in Brooklyn last Wednesday, you had two home games before you go out west. Pistons on Friday, who still looking for their first win on the road, so you can't overlook them. And Knicks beat them, even though things got a little too close for comfort in the fourth quarter. But overall, they played a good enough game to win, and they did what they were supposed to do. And he said, okay, well, you got to do that same thing on Sunday against Oklahoma City because, yeah, the Thunder, we know, they're extremely young. You know, they're dangerous, but you're home. You should win the game, even though... Going in, Oklahoma City had won four straight at Madison Square Garden. So you couldn't take them lightly. And, oh, by the way, Thunder had a guy on their team who, make no mistake about it, is going to be the best player on the floor on most nights. And, unfortunately, like we've, you know, we're seeing a pattern develop here, right, with the Knicks, even though it's only, what, a dozen games into the season. Is that more often than not when they step out on the floor? It's usually some guy on the other team. That's the best player on the floor, right? Doesn't that seem like it happens a lot? It's not just like an isolated occurrence. It's, it, it, it happens pretty consistently. And make no mistake about it, it happened again yesterday as Shea Gilgis-Alexander and his buddies, it wasn't just him, took over that game. And what Oklahoma City did in rolling up 145 points, you just... You shake your head, you scratch your head, you try to find an explanation for it, but I, I, I don't know if you can. Because think about how the way the game started yesterday. Knicks put up 48 points in the first quarter. Life is great. 48 points, which, by the way, Knicks have been playing basketball a long time, like, you know, decades and decades and decades, like almost a century. We're getting close to it. You realize the Knicks had never scored that many points in the first quarter in the history of the franchise. 48 points in the first quarter. Most ever. 
And you're thinking, how could they lose this game? Well, you lose the game by following that up with allowing the opposition to score 86 points in the next two quarters. Not for the game, not even the next three quarters, but 86 points in the second and third quarter combined, 43 in each. And when you basically play defense like your Swiss cheese, or you're a wet napkin, and you could just easily, like, you know, push your finger through it because there's no resistance. That's what the Knicks defense was. How you give up 145 points on your home floor. There were kids in the crowd yesterday. It was a matinee. There wasn't supposed to be any graphic or gruesome images. There were kids there yesterday. And that's the display that you put forward, 145 points. And the last, I had to, you know what? I'm sitting there, I'm doing the game, and I had to actually open up a Google search just to confirm, making sure I wasn't seeing double with my eyes because I saw Oklahoma City. I had to make sure that Kevin Durant wasn't still on the thunder and Russell Westbrook wasn't still on the thunder and James Harden wasn't still on the thunder. And sure enough, they weren't. I had to then double-check and make sure that Chet Holmgren wasn't active for that game yesterday. Nope, still has a broken foot, not playing. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddy, Lou freaking Dort. I, I mean, it didn't matter. If you had a Thunder uniform on yesterday, it was like the carnival. It's like, come one, come all. Take your shots. You win a stuffed teddy bear. And you know what makes it even more confounding to me, and probably to a lot of other people as well? Look at the disaster that they put forward on Wednesday night in Brooklyn. That was only two games ago. That wasn't something that happened, like, last month or maybe, like, early in the... Like, that happened two games ago where that was essentially a no-show. Remember, we were on Thursday morning doing the Greeny vehicle. And we led with that Nick disaster that morning because that was a no-show out at the Barclays Center, a rivalry game, a team that you're competing with them for their entertainment dollar, and you don't even show up. So the fact that you still had that outing and that performance in your memory bank, and yet it resurfaced again just two games later in the same week, this time in your building against, let's face it, a young team, a promising team, a damn good player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but we're not talking about an NBA heavyweight in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Imagine what a real team would have did to them yesterday. If they were going to put that type of effort out on the floor, imagine if, let's say, the Boston Celtics stepped out on the floor yesterday instead of Oklahoma City. What would they put up, 160? What if Giannis and Milwaukee were in the building yesterday? Would they have tried harder? Or would they have put up 170? I like Tom Thibodeau. I really and truly do. But the, other, the elephant in the room here is that Tom Thibodeau's MO and his calling card is supposed to be defense. Like, what is the old saying? Like, all summer, when we were talking about the Knicks and what they could do and what they could be, and we talked about different players that may or may not fit the scheme – It was always, the caveat was, well, if you don't play defense, you can't play for Tom Thibodeau. Can't. 
He won't have you on the team. If you can't play defense, you can't play for Tom Thibodeau. Well, you know what I saw yesterday? I saw 12 guys. None of them could play defense. None of them. So do the Knicks have any players left? That's what I want to know. Because I didn't see a lot of Tom Thibodeau guys on that floor wearing Nick uniforms yesterday. That's inexcusable. Here was Tibbs yesterday after the game on his explanation as to how the team somehow gave up 145 points. Disappointed. The game started off pretty easy, 48-36, but it was free-flowing. There was no resistance. And then second quarter, third quarter was the same. So, you know, the defense, the rebounding, that effort has to be counted on every night. And so players too good, you know, to give that type of confidence away right from the start. I like Tibbs. I do. I'm old enough to remember when he was the coach of the year just two years ago. I was alive for that. I was doing the games. I remember. That was a thing. I know that there weren't any fans in the stands, but the games counted. They were played. Same rules applied. 48 minutes, six fouls, two points for a basket. You stand behind the line and make it. It's three. All those things. Still the same. One point for a free throw. He didn't forget how to coach. But in light of what happened in Brooklyn on Wednesday, why do these poor defensive showings keep happening? And that's the thing. The challenge for us is to be consistent. We can't be up and down. It's a hard league. There's no shortcuts in this league. 135 points, we should be walking out with a win. But if we don't play defense, we're not going to. So that's one thing that we have to, we have to be able to count on. Guys, you don't have to be a genius or a basketball aficionado to realize defense comes down to one thing and one thing only, effort. Effort. I don't care if you're six years old and you're just starting out playing peewee basketball. They tell you to play defense by moving your feet. And especially in the NBA now with the hand-checking thing, they don't want you using your hands. Defense is about moving your feet. You know what moving your feet entails? Effort. So when I see a bunch of professionals at home give up 145 points to a, and I'm being generous, average basketball team from the other conference, what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed What are you supposed to think? And you know why these games were important? Because now you're going out on the West Coast. And it only gets harder. Tomorrow you got the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz who traded away both of their All-Stars. And they don't seem any worse for the wear this year, right? Jazz are playing really good. Then you go to Denver. Good luck. Golden State. Golden State stinks this year. You know, they can't figure anything out. But you know what? I wouldn't want to mess with them at home. Then you go to Phoenix. Good luck. And then a week from tonight, guess where they wrap up the trip? None other than Oklahoma City, a team that, that just waxed you yesterday and has beaten you five straight times in your gym. I don't know how this thing is going to end. I don't know how this story, what the last chapter is going to be. I don't. And you hope that it turns around because, guys, we're only 12 games in, 13 games in. There's a lot of basketball still to be played. I mean, we still got, what, five more months of this garbage. Football and the Jets and the Giants and that fairy tale is only going to take us for maybe a couple of more months. Then what are we supposed to do? Then what? 
What do you think the Knicks' solution is? What changes possibly are in store for this team? And can it turn around? 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show till the top right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. On Wednesday, when they lost that game to Brooklyn, and it was just one-way traffic and nothing the Knicks did could stop it, it's obvious the Nets had the best player on the floor in Kevin Durant. He's going to be the best player on the floor most nights, like 99% of the time. But specifically... You know, and, and you want to have a guy on your team, a stopper. Not so much a defensive stopper, but an offensive stopper. They could be stoppers on the offensive end, too, because when a team is going on, the opponent's going on a run, you need somebody that could get you a basket just to be able to stop that momentum. That's why I call him a stopper. Knicks don't have that guy. They didn't have that guy in the summertime. They could have maybe gotten one of those guys. He was available, but they didn't want to part with assets, picks, to go bring in Donovan Mitchell. And so they're missing that type of player. Yesterday, they played an Oklahoma City team with SGA. He's that type of player. Now, the Knicks could still possibly go out and get him because I don't think he's going to be long for Oklahoma City, even though he signed a contract. I just don't know if he's going to want to necessarily stick around there and be patient enough and you know wait for that team to turn and for them to that young talent to kind of you know, harness itself to where they're going to be a big-time player in the Western Conference. I don't know. He might want out. So, this disappointing thing about SGA, and I don't want to just, you know, continue to cry over spilled milk here, but a few years ago in the draft, SGA was on the board. And what did the Knicks do? They decided to take SGA's teammate from Kentucky, Kevin Knox. Two picks later, SGA gets drafted. Not only that, Knicks had a private workout, as my buddy Ian Begley of SNY is reporting. Knicks had a private workout with SGA before the draft. Safe to say they picked the wrong guy. But that's why we can't sit here and think about considering the Knicks as a legitimate, legitimate force and a legitimate contender. All right, if you want to believe that the goal is like that playing tournament this year, I'm not going any higher than that. They can't be thought of realistically, as a team that could enter that next phase of contention in the Eastern Conference until you get one of those dudes that you know is going to be there 
night in and night out to answer the call for you. Knicks have nice players. They don't have studs. Each contender needs a stud. They don't have one. You know, the guy that they signed to a contract extension, the guy that Knicks fans didn't want to part with over the summer, remember? When Rome was burning yesterday and they couldn't get any stops defensively against Oklahoma City, that guy was nailed to the bench in the second half. The point guard that they spent all that money in, they cleared cap space, they moved mountains to clear enough room to be able to fit him in over the summer. That guy was nailed to the bench in the second half yesterday. And I don't blame the head coach. He's trying to shake things up, just trying to find somebody that will answer the call. And you know those two guys, defense is not their calling card anyway. But still, you would like to think that they would be on the court even in those situations. But this is the team. This is what you got. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Tino's in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7. Tino, talk to me, my friend. How are you? Dan, how are you, my brother? Good, Tino. What's up, bud? Uh, I just got out of the gym as soon as I got out at 9 o'clock, and I said, oh, Dan's going to start talking Knicks basketball. I was like, oh, perfect timing. I got a call. There you go. Dan, oh, oh, my God. Am I disgusted as a fan or what? I mean, that showing yesterday in front of those little kids to give up 145 points, it doesn't get any worse than that, Dan. You're, we're supposed to have this defensive guru coach how many times are we going to have mental breakdowns and give up wide open threes? You know, Oklahoma City was ranked 29th in the league yesterday. They hit 17 threes. They shot 60% from three-point range. Does anybody on this team want to defend? The only guys I think that care on the defensive end, and he showed it yesterday, he really busted his butt out there, was Cam Reddish. He actually was playing great defense, got a couple Reddish steals. Reddish played well. Got a couple. He did. He did. He plays hard. I like guys that play hard. You know what I mean? Randall, I like Randall as offensively, but defensively, he's lost. He leaves his man every time. Let's go to Jalen Brunson. On defense, he's a traffic cone. He can't guard anybody. I'm sorry. I like him offensively. Defensively, you might as well just you just forget about it because Giddy was just running circles around him yesterday. He's not just Giddy. Even even Summer on Brooklyn was destroying him. Oh. Yeah, Edmund Sumner. The immortal Edmund Sumner. Yeah, he was running circles around JB. I'm like, are you kidding me? But it's just not that. Hey, Dan, it's just, this team is not constructed the right way. You, you just have too many B-minus, team-plus players. And you, you said that yourself. There's no star. We had a, Besides, the, the, uh, you said Mitchell. We also had another guy that we could have got. And we were scared to pick up. You remember uh, Dejounte Murray in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. He got traded. He got traded for three first-round picks and Danilo Gallinari. You trying to tell me we couldn't give him up three picks or even four picks? And, and how did and, ha- and how did that work out when? And how did that work out a couple of weeks ago when they played Atlanta trying he to stop Dejounte Murray? Yeah, he dropped thirty-eight in the Garden. After after uh, Young got hurt, he got hit in the face by an yep. elbow, and DeJounte just took over the game. Had about seven steals, eight rebounds, just took over the game. But, Dan, it comes down to, are these guys going to give any effort on the defensive end? Is Tibbs going to cheat these guys how to play defense? Is he going to hold guys accountable? 
But that's what it comes down to. Defense, like you said, it's effort. I played basketball my whole life. I played college basketball, D3, nothing crazy. Played for a small school in Manhattan. But we t- I learned that, in, you know, in sixth grade, seventh grade, you've got to give effort. These guys give zero effort on the defensive end, Dan. It's amazing it's happening. to me. It's shocking. Tino, it's happening way too much too soon. And I thank you for the yeah. phone call, my friend. I know, I know this means a lot to you. I know you're a big fan. I know you're fired up, right? It's happening too often. I mean, that game Wednesday night in Brooklyn, I hate to keep coming back to it, but it's true. That game should have sent, should have sent shockwaves through that entire team. Like, oh, my. that was embarrassing. That was, they were down by 35 in that game to the Nets. A team in your backyard, a supposed rival, you were down 35 in that game. And that should have resonated. And if it didn't, well, you could tell that it didn't because two games later, you have that happen. 145 to Oklahoma City? 145 points after you scored almost 50 in the first quarter. Wow. And look, I'm not sitting here. Let me be clear. I am not sitting here advocating for Tom Thibodeau to lose his job. I am not saying that. We've not reached that point yet. But to me, there is no poorer reflection on the job that a head coach is doing as when you see no-show efforts on the defensive end of the floor. Because as I got done saying, as you heard my buddy Tino just talk about, defense comes down to one thing and one thing only, effort. Effort. Think about all these players over the years in the NBA, whether they were on the Knicks or other teams, didn't have much of an offensive game at all, could barely dribble. No shot to speak of. But they were invaluable to their teams. You know why? Because they were lockdown defenders. All it takes is effort and energy. And if it's not happening, and it's happening all too frequently, they're going to have to point the finger at somebody because it's a poor reflection on the head coach. Guys miss shots. Guys aren't getting shots to fall. I don't know how you can blame the coach for that. But if you're not playing defense, and especially when defense is supposed to be the calling card of the head coach, you decide for yourself. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We're rolling until 10 o'clock. Dan Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. John, how are you? Good, Dan. How are you doing today? Hey, Johnny. Um, so, I mean, just reflecting on that last caller, you could hear how distressed we all are as Nick fans watching what we've been watching for the past however many years. I'm 39. I have never gotten to watch the Knicks win a championship. Had a couple good years there, of course, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. My, cu- my questions for you are, how long are we supposed to wait for R.J. Barrett to elevate himself? My second question for you is, well, so that's more of a comment than a question, and I want to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, watching this team every night, Watching what Julius Randle does out on the floor on defense, his attitude every time the camera cuts to that man, he is posturing. I, from my perspective, that is one of the biggest problems with this team is we have let that man um, show the rest of these young guys how to play the game. And to me, 
that kind of attitude doesn't work in New York. He's not a Dennis Rodman. He's not a Reggie Miller. He has to back it up with something, and I haven't seen it yet. Last thing, the biggest problem with the Knicks are people like me who continue to watch the games and continue to buy the tickets and want to watch this team win, and we just don't get to. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. I will let you respond. John, appreciate the phone call. First of all, I'll take him in reverse order. You're a fan. I mean, that's what fans are. You don't have to apologize for being supportive and watching the games. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily just be the Knicks. It could be any team in any sport, good or bad. You watch because you care. It's a passion. Nothing wrong with that. No apology. Number two. I don't think Randall has been as checked out as maybe he appeared last year. You've had a couple of instances already this season, but I don't think as a whole it gives off as negative a vibe as what we saw last season. It was bad last year. This year I don't think we've reached that point yet. Now, we're also only 13 games into the season. Who knows what the rest of the year is going to have in store, right? But I think it also kind of goes back to a little bit of the first question you threw out there is that you're putting up with this and you're watching this and having to roll with the mood swings and this and what Randall isn't on both ends of the floor because he's one of the guys that you need to go out there and ball out each and every night if this team is going to win games because you don't have that superstar. This team is void of the number one alpha male, number one lockdown player, you name it. Go-to score, put the ball in his hands, you feel good every time you're down that end of the floor. They don't have that guy. A lot of good players, not a great player. That's what the Knicks are. That's how they are presently constituted. And with R.J. Barrett, look, I like R.J. I do. But if you ask the question, how many more years are you going to have to sit here and wait for him to develop? Um, I guess the only answer that I can give you right now is R.J. Barrett's like a politician. Because the answer to the question is four more years. Just like they yell for political candidates. Four more years. Four more years. That's what his contract says. Got four more years. After this one. Right? Because that's when the extension kicks in. Next season. So he's here for four more years. And remember, they were taking bows in the summertime. Oh, we locked this guy up. We got him. You see that? We can sign our draft picks to second contracts, the ones that are worthy enough. Oh, we can do it. Remember, they gave Mitchell Robinson a contract too, but the problem is Mitchell Robinson never plays. We might as well throw that out there too. Like, considering that the team can't stop anybody defensively, and they're having so many problems on that side and the floor. They're paying Mitchell Robinson to be a rim protector, a paint. They're not paying Mitchell Robinson to go out there and score 25 points tonight. That's not his game. They expect him to defend and to rebound. And if he's not out on the floor, that just makes things harder for everybody else. So it would be nice if he could play once in a while, too, because they made a commitment to him. But if you continue to bring in and keep around these good to very good players and don't surround them with any great players realistically, what's the ceiling? Where is this team going? And that's the problem that they find themselves in. Right? They, I mean, like I said, they were tripping over themselves in the summertime. They locked up R.J. Barrett. They got him. Oh, that's so great. And you know who you are. You know who you are. Because I remember doing the shows that you didn't want to part ways with R.J. Barrett whenever it came time to Donovan Mitchell in that conversation. God forbid that he was tied to 
any trade talks whatsoever. Got to keep him. Oh, his ceiling. His, what ceiling? Where's the ceiling? That question that John just asked, I mean, I've been asking that question since the summertime. What is the ceiling? What if we've seen peak RJ? What if this is who he is? And you know what? He's a good player. Not a great player. Not a superstar player. But he is a good player. But if he never takes that next step and doesn't even become the player that, let's say, a Donovan Mitchell is right now, a Shea Gilgis-Alexander is right now, well, then what's the point of holding on to him? Really, what is the point? And that's why you have to kind of like reset your expectations, right? And I think if you're honest with yourself as a Knicks fan, you can enjoy this season. You can enjoy this season if the team goes out there and plays it. Because, you know, what? that's one thing that this city and this fan base demands, an honest effort. Play hard every night. Not what you saw in Brooklyn on Wednesday. Not what you saw yesterday afternoon against Oklahoma City. If you're not defending, if you're not going out there and playing hard for 48 minutes, then you know what? What are you wasting your time with? But if you've got a team that you can be proud of that goes out there and plays hard, lays it out on the line, and maybe, you know what, takes some of these teams down to the wire, teams that are clearly, clearly better than they are, then you can't apologize or you're not, you shouldn't feel bad. Because then that falls on the front office to help bring in some reinforcements that are going to be al- that'll allow this team to go toe to toe with some of the heavyweights of the NBA. Because you know what, they've proven that they're not on that level yet. They're not. Good teams, legit teams, don't give up 145 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, right now the Knicks technically, technically have a better record and are above the nets in the standings. But right now, if I asked you to buy stock in these teams for the rest of the season, you buying the Knicks or you buying the Nets? And look, the Nets got a million problems of their own. In a lot of ways, you almost would rather be in the Knicks situation compared to what the Nets still have to deal with on any given day. Who knows what's going to happen with Kyrie? Who knows how that's going to play itself out? Who knows if Kevin Durant is going to remain satisfied for the rest of the year? He might wake up one morning and decide to revisit those trade demand conversations with Sean Marks and Joe Sy. You know, they seem to be playing hard under Jacques Vaughn, but is that something that's sustainable? Or is that maybe just, okay, we, we changed it up here, so now we have a new voice, and it's kind of like this temporary shelf life thing? Or is that going to expire at some point? And then the Nets are going to go back to being the same team. Remember, what got Steve Nash fired? You know, you want to bring this whole conversation back to the defense? What the hell, among other things, got Steve Nash fired is that they played no defense. None. And when you're not playing any defense, you're essentially tuning your coach out. And you're not responding. And everybody over there in Brooklyn realized, you know what, we got to make a change just for the sake of making change. And at least for the time being, they're responding to Jacques Vaughn. Is that what's going to have to take in Madison Square Garden? Is that ultimately what the result is going to be there? I hope not. Like I said, I like Tibbs. And we know that he's a good coach. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to compare the resumes of Tom Thibodeau and Steve Nash. Tom Thibodeau's a professional coach. Tom Thibodeau's a you know, coach of the year in the NBA multiple times over. The guy's got a long resume of being a successful coach on the bench. Steve Nash wasn't. Steve Nash was a Hall of Fame player. Got nothing about coaching. Don't know what the hell, you know. He got the clapping part down. He was good at that. But that's not going to get you very far. You can only clap so many times. And I'm sure those Nets players were tired of hearing the clapping. They certainly were tired of hearing his voice because they weren't responding. 
This is a big trip for this team. Really and truly is. Big trip. And I mean, realistically, if you're talking about, okay, what do you set your expectations at? You got five games out there. I ran down the list before. But not only that, look at when you come home from the West Coast. Then you got two home games waiting for you, Portland and Memphis. You think those are easy games? Then you go to Detroit. Then you come back home again. Get this, guys. Milwaukee, Dallas, Cleveland, Atlanta. I would say the only game in that lot that the Knicks could potentially have the best player on the floor, two of them, two of them, Utah and Detroit, the only two games. Not to say that that is the only way you can win games, but those are probably the only, and that's the point I'm trying to make. You know, you need studs to win if you want to win consistently in this league. So let's see, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The next 12 games that the Knicks are going to play, with the exception of the Detroit Pistons and the Utah Jazz, the opponent is going to have the best player on the floor when the Knicks step out onto the court. And it wasn't always the case, even Utah, right? Funny enough, Utah had two guys. But now they're not there anymore, but somehow, some way, Utah's winning games. And you know what? I'll amend that for a second. Because they got Laurie Markkinen. And if you're a Knicks fan, you remember some of the games that Laurie Markkinen played against the Knicks when he was a member of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Back when KP was still on the Knicks, Laurie Markkinen was the best big man on the floor those nights. He killed the Knicks a couple of times. You hope it doesn't repeat itself tomorrow in Salt Lake City, but I guess you never know. We'll close out with some baseball thoughts as this hot stove season continues to perk up. Dan Gross until the top of the hour right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>